Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. When you change your thoughts, you begin to change your life. And that's why something that people are so passive about, what's on replay, they don't even think twice about it. We've got to work to take inventory of our thoughts. The Bible says, take every thought captive. In counseling, we call that cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, but God thought of it long ago, transforming our mind and making sure that what's flowing out of our mind is bringing us health and not the other way around. Deborah Faleta is our guest on today's Best of 2021, Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. You know, life can be pretty stressful. I think we can all attest to that between work, relationships, and other obligations. The pressure builds and we lose sight of who we are and what we're about. Um, It's, you know, nipping at us all the time. But the last year or so has shown us that it's more important than ever to take care of ourselves, including our emotional and physical health. God wants us to do that. First uh, Peter 5.7 tells us we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And that's a great promise. Uh, do we believe it is a question. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you Uh, bring healing and restoration to you and to your family with trusted Christian perspectives um, and uh, bring you hopefully that emotional, mental, physical, and most importantly, spiritual health Mm -hmm. that will keep you in a good place throughout your entire life. And we're going to do that today. Yeah. And our guest, as I said, is Deborah Faleta, and uh, she's a licensed professional counselor, a, a national speaker, a relationship expert, a podcaster. She's written a great book we'll be discussing today, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters. And we have that here at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. Deborah, I think John missed the uh, the most amazing part. Mother of four. <laughs> I love that one the most. <laughs> yep, we just welcomed our fourth child three, three months, months ago. Three yeah. months, I love it. And you're actually sleeping through the night. We are, praise the Lord. <laughs> That talk about helping with emotional health. <laughs> you sleep sleep through is the night. wonderful. Well, and you know what's so good about that is that's wonderful for moms to hear. I yeah. mean, you're a professional mom. You've got the kids. You've just had a child. You're living the dream, even though you may not get enough sleep to be dreaming. Yeah, it makes all the difference. <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised when those small physical things like a lack of sleep actually begin to impact the other areas of our life as well. Yeah. And, you know, to get serious about it, you are a professional counselor. That's your main thing. And your husband, John's a physician. And you probably individually, obviously, but as a couple, too, I mean, you know, a lot of people dealing with emotional, spiritual, mental health issues, etc. And even though a lot of us put our best foot forward, um, the reality is in our hearts, we're really not always okay, which is the whole point of your book. Are you really okay? What motivated you to write this? What were you seeing in the culture, in your own friendships, your own relationships that made you feel like, eh, maybe we're putting a mask on? You know, I would say this book was motivated by two different things. First and foremost, the things I was seeing as a licensed counselor in my practice. You know, I'm working with amazing men and women who are spiritually mature, but not emotionally healthy and not mentally healthy. I'm working with pastors who are struggling with burnout or anxiety, or depression, and things that we're not always comfortable sharing about. 
But the problem is then the stigma grows and then we're afraid to share about it when we're struggling emotionally and mentally. And secondly, I've been through my own journey of mental and emotional health. I have battled depression and anxiety. Being a licensed counselor doesn't make you immune to those things. And so because of those two reasons, I'm just very passionate about this important message. In fact, um, to kind of pull the audience in so they can hear your heart, you had one of those uh, full-blown panic attacks. Uh, For people that have not had that experience, I have not had that experience. Describe for me and for the listeners, what is that like and what was your particular circumstance? What happened and how did it grab you in that way? A panic attack is essentially a physical manifestation of emotional distress. So you've got all of these underlying emotions, but they come out through the form of a physical manifestation. So you might feel dizziness, lightheaded, You might feel like your heart rate is skyrocketing. You might even feel tingling or sweating and inability to breathe. And many people really believe that something is happening physically. A lot of my clients describe it as going crazy or they feel like they're going to die. And usually you run to the emergency room only to find out that there's nothing wrong with you physically. And it's an emotional response that's actually affecting your physical Mm -hmm. health. What happened in your case, though? You were traveling somewhere or about to go on a field trip or something? So a few years back, I actually went through a very traumatic miscarriage where I lost the baby, but I also almost lost my life. I started hemorrhaging, and it was a very traumatic experience. But the thing about trauma is it doesn't always affect you in the moment. Usually in the moment, you're in survival mode, and you don't have time to face the trauma. Well, about two years after that, I was in a safari park with my kids and my husband, and all of a sudden, I started having these symptoms that I would describe as a panic attack. But what I didn't realize was that my body was now starting to process the stress that I had gone through many years before, but never really taken the time to face and deal with and heal. Let me ask you spiritually, from a Christian perspective, what is God doing in the makeup of his creation. Why do we go through that? What is the helpful aspect of it? And what's the thing that we have to look out for? Well, I think by design, it's a beautiful process because it shows you that God understands how human beings work. He knows that when we're in survival mode and we're dealing with the stress of what's going on today, we don't have the capacity to also process it in a healthy way. So he allows us to sort of hibernate in a good way. And then later on, he brings it to us when we're ready to heal. Layer by layer, healing happens. I think if it all happened at once, it would be quite overwhelming. And not only that, I don't think many of us would be able to survive through it. Yeah. In the book of Mark, you point to something I think you call the baseline for general health. It corresponds with the greatest commandment. Describe that uh, scripture in Mark that caught your attention as a counselor Mm -hmm. that helps people. Uh, You know, I think the most important thing to remember as we talk about this scripture is just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're healthy. And Jesus calls us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we read in scripture. When we look at that, heart represents our emotional health. Soul represents our spiritual health. Mind represents our mental health. Strength represents our physical health. 
So we shouldn't be surprised when we face struggles in those areas, because if we're to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, you better believe the enemy is going to try and attack us in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So instead of being surprised by the struggle as Christians, we just need to be prepared for it. And, you know, the reality is we are in this world. I mean, scripture tells us we're in this world. Paul told us we're going to struggle in this world. Uh, We're wired spiritually, particularly for life eternal with Christ in heaven. But in that context, uh, Christians who do struggle with anxiety, with depression, uh, that's part of my wife's story. She's been on the broadcast before. Her family has really struggled in those areas biochemically. I mean, um, how do we in the Christian community communicate positiveness about the idea of seeking help? Don't hold back. It's okay. I think my wife would say, Jean would say, She struggled with the concept that if I'm a believer in Jesus, then I should pray that he takes this away. But that can be traumatic over a decade or two, and you're not getting help in that regard. So speak to those anxieties and what Christians should do. You know, those are truly unhealthy beliefs that hold us back from healing. I remember once when I was in the presence of a pastor, I had just come out of a dark postpartum depression. And he didn't know that. And he said, true believers don't suffer from depression because they have the Holy Spirit at work in them. And I was devastated to hear Mm -hmm. that. He didn't know what I had just come through. And what did that make you feel like? Because Gene and I have talked about this specifically, less than. Yeah. Like I'm not... I'm not good for God. Right. It makes you feel like you don't have enough faith or you don't have enough strength or maybe there's sin in your life. Rather than seeing it as a chemistry issue, we see it as a character issue. And that's flawed thinking because many times what's actually happening underneath the surface is a chemical imbalance um, that could be caused by many different things, whether it be past trauma, whether it be hormonal imbalance. There's a plethora of things that can be caused by. We have to understand that we can't just point to it being a faith issue and leave it at that. And the idea that, you know, I I want to also acknowledge there are spiritual things that occur around the world. I've seen things that, you know, you pray against, you pray for that person. So those are realities as well, spiritual bondage, etc. But so often in this area of mental health, it is exactly that. It's chemical issues that are occurring in the physical nature that we're made up with. Everything is holistic in the sense that when we're faced with a problem mentally or physically, we do bring it to prayer. I think it would do us better to use the, the comparison of a cancer diagnosis. You know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, first of all, you don't blame yourself. You know, you don't say, maybe I didn't have enough faith or strength. Mm-hmm. You you look at the cancer and you say, how am I going to attack this? You go get medication. You go get help. You go get whatever you need. You get a lot of prayer partners. And then the community yeah. supports you. They bring you meals. They lift you up in prayer. But we don't always treat depression and anxiety, which is an illness of the mind mm-hmm. and the brain, in the same way. Yeah, and in Mark, I think you're pointing to the scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, yeah. and that's what you're reinforcing. Yes. And uh, some people, especially those that are struggling with uh, mental illness, that's a daunting task. Just hearing that, wow, I don't know if I can accomplish that. Speak to the, inadequ- the feeling of inadequacy that I can give that way to the Lord, uh, you know, with all my heart. With all my mind, with all my strength, um, do people come into your practice asking, how can I do this, Deborah? 
I think it can seem overwhelming when we look at the blanket verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we have to remember, this is step by step, little by little, one thing at a time where we're trying to align who we are to who God has called us to be. This isn't an overnight process of healing. We don't overnight get to a place where we're struggling and we don't overnight get to a place of healing. And so I think we have to give ourselves grace and realize that healing in all of these areas is layer by layer. It's a cyclical process, two steps forward, a couple steps back, a few steps more forward, but we're moving in the direction of sanctification. Right. And that's exactly the word I was going to use. Life is the process of sanctification. And the Lord knows that. He created it for us. And hopefully we're growing closer to him, more deeply in him every day until we die and we're with him. That's the whole point. Uh, Deborah, what's a good way to survey how our past affects us? I know that's something we look at. We've had many guests on the program talking about family of origin issues Um, How much attention should we pay to that family of origin, the household we grew up in? I think the best indicator of how the past is impacting us is what's happening in the present. Describe that. When we find ourselves dealing with unsurmountable emotional struggles or relationship conflict that doesn't seem to be going away or maybe an inability to control our emotions, our anger, These are usually signs that there's something that needs healing in our life. And oftentimes it's something from our past that we haven't identified. So I call them these emotional black and blues that happen in the present. You know, when there's a a big reaction to something, maybe you feel like it's an over-exaggerated response to a situation. Oftentimes these emotional black and blues are sore spots from the past. Mm. When somebody presses up on them in the present, (laughs) they hurt. You know, they notify us that something's going on. And many people listening might say, well, I had a pretty good childhood. You know, I didn't, there wasn't abuse. There wasn't... I felt loved. I felt loved. Mm-hmm. I have Christian parents. Yeah. Well, I come from that type of a background of good home, good family. They loved the Lord. My grandfather was an evangelist all across the Middle East. But there were patterns that I wasn't aware of that I needed to deal with that were impacting my emotional health. For example... When you grow up in an immigrant family, you kind of learn that you need to do. You need to work hard. It's almost like a productivity factor. And so for me, I equated value with how much I was able Mm. to accomplish because that's what they did coming from a different country, starting new in America. Even though it was a Christian home and focused on ministry, I began translating that into my life as I need to do in order to be valued by God. And when you get to a point of doing too much for the wrong reasons, you reach burnout, you're empty, you've got nothing left to give. For me, I reached a place of depression. And so even though it was a healthy family, there were still unhealthy patterns that were passed down to me that I needed to deal with. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. 
To begin the journey of finding health, go to hoperestored.com today. I'm here asking people how they could both give and get. I don't know, maybe love? Yeah, you could both give and get love. True, but it's also possible with a charitable gift annuity. You get a secure source of fixed income and a charitable tax deduction. Plus, giving a charitable gift annuity to focus on the family helps families thrive for generations to come. I love that. Find out more. Go to FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Deborah, in the book, you use a couple of metaphors, one, the iceberg, and then the volcano. <laughs> I think they're pretty self-evident, but uh, describe what the iceberg represents in the volcano. You know, the iceberg is kind of our tendency to really stay superficial. Uh, the reason I call this book, Are You Really Okay?, is because it's easy to answer that question and say, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm fine without really going deeper. But just like an iceberg, there's always more, a lot more going on underneath the surface. And I think this past year for so many people, 2020 was a year of dealing with a lot of emotions. I call it the year of exposure Hmm. because emotions are like a volcano in the sense that there's always pressure building underneath the surface. When you don't identify those emotions and deal with them in a healthy way, they will find the point of least resistance Mm. and you will experience an emotional explosion. For me, it was a panic attack. For you, it might be an anger outburst or disconnecting from your spouse emotionally. Maybe you're withdrawn and depressed. But that's the key is learning that to be emotionally healthy, we've got to learn to go underneath the surface and figure out what's really going on inside of us. You know, and when you say it in that context, Deborah, I would think that spouses are typically the recipient of the explosion. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Uh, Many times relationship conflict gives you a signal that there's a lot more going on underneath in your personal life. You know, one thing before we move to spiritual health and talk about that, when you ask the question, are you really okay? Sometimes I think people respond like, yeah, I'm fine, because they kind of infer that you really don't want to know. This is a cultural gesture. Yeah. Speak to that as well. Are we really ready to hear somebody say, well, sit down because I've got a lot of baggage i got to tell you about? You're right. It is a cultural gesture. When you see somebody at the store, you're not going to unload. Yeah, right. And if you do unload, you're probably going to be looked at like something's wrong with you, right? Yeah, the friend will avoid you in the future. The problem is we take that cultural gesture that thing that's been normalized through social media. You know, on Instagram, we're only posting the highlights. Oh, yeah. We're we're presenting this picture that we're doing okay. So much to the point that we actually start believing that's really all there is to us. Yeah. And we don't take the time to dig deep. And we don't have people in our life who we can really open up with. That would be my question to you. Do you have people in your life? where you can honestly answer that question. I'm not saying you need to answer it to everyone you run into in the store or on Instagram or social media, but you need to have people in your life that you can really begin to take a little deeper and begin to unpack how you're really doing. That's a great suggestion and develop those friendships where you can have that. Two, three people is all it really takes to be able to be that vulnerable, that honest. Let's move to the spiritual component and the spiritual well-being that we need to seek. What does it even look like? Uh, like emotional, I'm not sure that we know. Outside of going for annual physicals, right. I think I'm lost. Well, first of all, let's start with what it's not. 
Spiritual health is not a checklist of things we're doing right. It's not, <laughs> I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church, I'm praying every day. You can do all those things and not be spiritually healthy. What makes us spiritually healthy is ultimately why and what our beliefs about God, why we're doing the things we're doing, what is motivating us and what is our view of God. And sometimes that view of God can be tainted. We're doing things for God out of shame or fear or guilt rather than because God is love, unconditional, because of his kindness. And I think if our view of God is faulty, everything else is going to be faulty that outflows from that. Wow. You may be describing all of the ills of Western civilization at this point. That's a big statement mm -hmm. you've just made. Um, Deborah, you had an experience, I believe, in a psych ward when yeah. you were doing your counseling and you had to do your student hours or something like that. Yeah. What happened in that context and what did you learn from it? When I was first starting off as a counselor, I worked at a psychiatric unit, and I was in charge of this young man who had psychosis, which he was hearing and seeing things. And I was doing an assessment to see how he was doing, and I was asking him these questions, and I started twirling my earring with my finger. It's kind of a nervous habit. Well, little did I know that he comes from a abuse history of a mother who used to also twirl her earring. Oh, my. And the second he saw me doing that, he transferred all of his feelings onto me. He started screaming at me, you ruined my life. I hate you. In counseling, we call that transference, where you put all of your hurts on an innocent bystander. Sometimes we do the same thing to God. Because of our past wounds, things we've experienced in our family, maybe an absent father or a critical mother, we tend to then see God through that same lens. We transfer those hurts onto him, and we see him with flawed eyes. And honestly, I think that's the number one thing that inhibits our spiritual health. Let me dig into that for a moment, because it's one of the most difficult questions that I'll get when I speak and I talk about, you know, my testimony is basically, you know, as an orphan child, but men will come up to me particularly and they'll say, how did you not become bitter towards your alcoholic father? It's one of the most difficult questions for me to answer because I never did. And I think in that context for me, I, I had a healthy, even as a child, I had a kind of a healthy understanding. This was his problem, not my problem. Yet, I want to be tender to those 50 men that are standing in that line and basically saying the same thing to me. They're 40, 50, 60 years old, and they're asking me, I'm still bitter at my dad for what he did to me. How do you help that person to say, you got to let go? I mean, what your father did to you, your father owns. You do not own this. Right. I think when, we, when it comes to dealing with these difficult experiences, it's important to acknowledge how we feel, you know, not to try to sugarcoat it. Not, I love that you had such a healthy reaction, but I'm also aware, like you said, not everybody does, and that's mm. okay. That's the starting point, right. right? To be able to say, I do feel bitter. I do feel And it's hurt. okay to do that, It is to okay, feel that. because as you're acknowledging that, what you're doing is you're starting to diffuse those underlying emotions underneath the surface of that volcano. You're acknowledging them. You're putting words to them. And I think for some people, through the process of things like counseling, you begin developing empathy for the people that hurt you and seeing that hurt people end up hurting people, right? We, we hear that phrase often. Right. But when you start having empathy and compassion and seeing where that hurt person came from, you begin freeing yourself 
from the pain that you carry. It's a process, you know, it's not something that happens overnight. And I really believe that even when you forgive somebody, the process of forgetting can take time and energy and work and you might never forget, but you're at least able to put that on them and take ownership of what is on you. What about that person who maybe has carried that burden for decades and they get it out there I do have this bitterness. I acknowledge that. They may have had that discussion with the Lord, you know, kind of the shaking fist. God, why have you done this to me? And they're still in that part of the cycle. They haven't really made it to the letting go. What encouragement do you have for them, for them to say, yeah, I'm okay? I mean, they're really moving from I'm not okay to I'm okay. I just would remind them that healing happens in layers and not to expect themselves to get to a a wonderful place overnight. When you think about past abuse and how many days it takes for you to experience, how many years you've been through that type of thing, to have the expectation on yourself that you're going to heal from that overnight is unrealistic. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. If it takes years to get to a place of bitterness, it might take years to unpack that. It might take months to unpack some of those things. And it's a process. It's a journey. Again, it's a journey of sanctification. That's Deborah Faleta on this Best of 2021 Focus on the Family broadcast, bringing a message of hope and healing. And I do trust that you've been encouraged by what she had to share today. Deborah is outstanding at communicating what the overall picture of health looks like. Uh, She's so compassionate toward people who are hurting. And here at Focus on the Family, we feel that way too. That's why we have a team of caring Christian counselors right here on staff. You can set up a consultation with one of them. They will listen to your specific situation, pray with you, and provide a path forward. It may include some resources or a referral to a counselor in your area. And that initial consultation with our counselors is free. We know that Christmas can be a really tough time for couples who are uh, really fractured in their relationship and families who are experiencing a crisis and parents who don't know what to do about Uh, their child, or uh, mothers who are considering abortion. So please get in touch today. It's also the time for us to share the hope, healing, peace, and grace, and joy that Jesus Christ came to give each one of us. This Christmas, you can come alongside those who are struggling and give families hope through your support of Focus on the Family. And when you donate today, a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Deborah's book, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters, as our way of saying thank you. Donate today and get your copy of the book by our guest, Are You Really Okay? We've got all the details online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, 800 232 6459. We'll plan to be with us next time as we continue the conversation with Deborah Faleta. For now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. to focus on the family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. 
But there's still times when those feelings are going to come up. That doesn't mean that I'm backtracking, but I have to acknowledge it to make space for that grief in my life instead of just ignoring it, pretending it's not there. Because that grief isn't a sign that I'm moving backwards or that I'm not healed. It's just a sign of the reality that in this world, we will go through hard things, you know, and, and to be able to face those with confidence and um, acknowledge those hurts, make space for them is one of the ways that we heal. That's Deborah Faleta, and she's our guest again on this Best of 2021 Focus on the Family presentation. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Here's a banner statement. We're not free from stress and trouble in this life. How about that, John? Ooh, I've noticed <laughs> lately that we're not. No. This is the world, and in the world, you will have trouble. I think that's right out of Scripture. E- even when we come to a saving knowledge of Christ, the language we use as Christians, and accept Him as our Savior, we're still going to face times of difficulty, mm-hmm. uh, but we can face them with confidence that we can overcome them and have hope in our future. As we read in 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And, uh, you know, that's a hard thing to remain in balance in those things. And today we're going to talk with our guest about how to do that. Uh, She's got a great book, Are You Really Okay?, which I would say hits that scripture directly about power, love, and Mm self-control. And it's going to be a good program. We started yesterday. And if you missed it, yeah, Yeah. get a hold of us. Uh, Let us know how we can get that to you on a CD, or you can download it, or you can get the app. You can watch on YouTube. So many different ways. Uh, It was a great conversation, as you said, Jim. And uh, I guess I should say our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Or you can uh, go back and hear that first part at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Deborah, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. It's good to be with you as always. Yeah, it's so good. And I love the content you bring as a counselor. Your husband's a physician. I mean, you guys, you're a power couple. (laughs) (laughs) And you have four kids, 10, 8, 5, and 3 months old, right? Yes, we do. It's a full house. Okay, just on behalf of all the moms that are struggling to keep it all going, how do you just do that with everything you've got going? This is why I wrote the book, Are You Really Okay? (laughs) It's for yourself. We really have to ask that question in these types of seasons, you know? You know, let me start there for the moms that are trying to do it all. Uh, Really, seriously, how do you remain healthy? And I mean in every way, emotionally, physically, spiritually. How do you remain healthy with all of the things that pull on you as a mom? Your kids, maybe your profession outside the home, the home, your husband. I mean, how do you juggle all that and remain healthy? Well, the truth is you don't, and you don't do everything, and you, and it, it might look from the outside in like somebody's doing everything and doing it all well. I get that question a lot. How do you do it all? And my response is, I don't do it all. I can't do it all, but I've learned to do a few things well. I've learned to set boundaries around my life. I've learned to take care of myself so that I can be filled and pour out to my family. I think in the beginning yeah. as a mom, I used to feel guilty about taking the time to keep myself healthy. But now I see it as a necessity because if I'm not full, I'm no use to anyone around me. No, it's really good. And that acknowledgement that, hey, I'm not doing everything well and I'm okay with that. That's a healthy spot. Let's do the recap from yesterday. We talked about uh, emotional well-being and spiritual well-being. How would you recap that discussion? Yeah, you know, Jesus calls us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our heart represents our emotional health 
Soul represents our spiritual health. Mind represents our mental health and strength represents our physical health. So yesterday we talked about our emotional health and our spiritual health and really taking inventory of those two areas. Mental health issues affect everyone from time to time. Uh, We may not even be aware of it, actually, but how it's dampening down our feelings, Mm -hmm. our sense of joy. I mean, God says, you know, we should be people that are joyful. But sometimes things detract from that. How does the way we think connect with the way we feel? Scientists used to believe that feelings caused our thoughts. But the most recent research shows us that thoughts actually trigger feelings, which trigger behaviors. Mm. So if we're feeling off or doing things that aren't the things we want to be doing, we've got to really backtrack and take a look at our thoughts. What's on replay? Like I call it, I have four little kids. So when I get in the car, oftentimes (laughs) there's some child CD playing, you know, some nursery songs or what have you. Let me guess, wheel on the bus goes round and Yeah, round. something like that. It's definitely not the focus on the family Wasn't program because, you know, my kids are listening to all of their little kids' songs. I remember once I went on a trip in my car without the kids. And after an hour, I realized I could change the channel. <laughs> I can go listen to Focus on the Family yeah. or That's a podcast. An adult moment. Yeah. This is, but you're so used to what's on replay yeah. in the background, it just becomes the norm. Our thoughts are the same way. We get so accustomed to certain thought processes on replay that we don't even feel the need to change them. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. How does God interact with that in our lives? I mean, what is he saying to us in that regard? Well, God wants us to replace the patterns of our past with his truth, right? And many times the patterns of our past is how we think, those negative thoughts. In counseling, we call them cognitive distortions. Mm. They're faulty ways of thinking. Maybe something like black or white thinking, where you see things in extreme. Maybe something like catastrophizing, where you're always looking at the future and seeing the worst case scenario. We've got these default patterns of thinking. Maybe it's a self-critique, where we're always thinking negative things about ourselves or the people around us. God wants us to identify these thought patterns and begin replacing them with his. Is truth. Yeah, that's where I've uh, come to have a phrase of truth before trivia. Yeah. I still like to look at and gather a lot of information, but as a believer, I'm trying to let God's word, the scripture, be my reference point for the day and where I spend a lot of time. I'm, it's not like it's, you know, for every minute I read an, an article online, I'm reading the scripture, but I want his truth to be the thing that's transforming my mind, not the world making my thinking uh, off base. I love that. And it's essentially the question of what am I downloading? You know, what am I downloading each and every day? And are they things I'm downloading from my past? Are they things I'm downloading from what I'm looking on the internet, scrolling, Google? Or am I filling my mind and heart with God's truth? Hmm. When you mentioned the book, several things that uh, you need to understand in getting your mind straight with truth, right? So uh, you use the terminology black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, minimization, and magnification, mind reading, fortune telling. And this one I could really relate to is catastrophizing, because mm-hmm. I think the culture, we, we are living in that right now where yeah. everything is a catastrophe. I mean, you talk with family members, and it, if it's not COVID-related, something is, you know, it's fear. Yeah. 
speak to some of those or maybe the one or two that really capture you. You had emotional reasoning, should, could, would statements, labeling, personalization. There's a lot there and it's all in your great book and people need to get it for the complete mm-hmm. uh, definition. But what what are one or two of those that I mentioned that stand out to you? You know, something like should, could, would, you spend so much time thinking about what you should have done in the past, blaming yourself. Um, like you mentioned, catastrophizing. We're always thinking of the worst case scenarios filled with worry and fear. The way that we think begins to change our brain, physically speaking. It begins to change the neuropathways, which then begin affecting our emotional health, our mental health. And so there's so much power because how you think impacts your life. When you change your thoughts, you begin to change your life. And that's why something that people are so passive about, what's on replay, they don't even think twice about it. We've got to work to take inventory of our thoughts. The Bible says, take every thought captive. In counseling, we call that cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, but God thought of it long ago, transforming Mm -hmm. our mind and making sure that what's flowing out of our mind is bringing us health and not the other way around. So when you're dealing with that person sitting in front of you in your counseling office, what are two or three things you can encourage them to do? What are steps they can take to begin to not be overwhelmed by the world and to transform their mind according to Christ? First and foremost, I think you've got to face your thoughts Sometimes they're so automatic, you don't even recognize them. Mm. So one thing that I have people do, and in fact, this book is actually interactive. It's not meant to just be read. You journal through it, you know, you you journal as you're going through. And one thing I have people do, especially during this section, is begin keeping track of their negative thoughts to put them on paper, to start seeing patterns in the way they think that they might not have recognized before. And then when we do that, we have the one side, but then we begin to replace it with God's truth. What does God ultimately say about these things? What am I ultimately believing? Am I believing this side of the spectrum, the dark side, or am I clinging to the light of God's truth? And in the book, you do uh, go to great lengths to talk about areas where we need help, mental uh, illness being one, and the way the culture, and particularly the Christian culture, can shame people that are struggling in that area. I just want to make sure we're really clear on that. We've done some programs on that before, and we get a lot of response from folks who feel very strongly on both sides of this issue. As a counselor, with that person, again, sitting right there in front of you, how do you encourage them to seek the help they need and still maintain a healthy understanding of God's love for you, his concern for you? But yes, you can get some help if you don't have enough serotonin on your nerve endings. I mean, it can be that simple. You're absolutely right. I recently on my blog wrote an open letter to the depressed Christian. And I explained to them, which I also cover in this book, that this is not a reflection of your faith. This is not a reflection of your strength. This is not a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. You know, this is a struggle that you're walking through. And many times this is the catalyst to your faith. I look at the times of depression, the darkest seasons for me, When Jesus was truly the closest, I felt him near Mm. to my heart. And I'm grateful he walked me through that process of healing with therapy and medication. Because you know what? Even therapists can benefit from therapy and counseling. I don't just preach this because I'm a counselor. 
I preach it and teach it because it actually impacted my own life during those hard seasons. Man, that is so good. And I hope people are hearing that heart that you have and that we share, you know, focus Mm -hmm. on the family. Sometimes in the Christian community, you know, we get criticism for talking about the idea that uh, people can get help through counseling. They can get help through medication, et cetera. Break down some of those myths. Just hit them bang, bang, bang. What would you say? I think many times what we try to do is offer spiritual solutions. What does that sound like to in mental that conversation? and emotional problems? Yeah. You know, things like you need to pray more or here's a Bible verse, dwell on scripture. When you're in the thick of depression or anxiety or a panic attack, and your brain is not working properly, your amygdala, the part of your brain that's responsible for emotional memory is going wild. Your neocortex, the part of your brain that's responsible for logic is dulled down. You can't think about scripture in that moment because that part of your brain isn't actually working properly. And so for us, we have to realize that sometimes those blanket statements actually cause more hurt than help. Of course, we need Jesus and the spirit and his guidance. We need prayer. We need to meditate on scripture at the proper times. But I think just putting those spiritual solutions on these mental and emotional issues can actually cause damage, can leave people feeling shame and defeat rather than being encouraged that they can find hope and healing. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. The seasons of your life are always moving forward. Singlehood, marriage, parenting, aging well. And through it all, Focus on the Family is alongside you with encouragement from a biblical perspective. And now we have a tool that gathers our trusted guidance and support together in one place, the enhanced Focus on the Family app. With it, you can listen to the Focus on the Family broadcast, engage our social media, find a counselor, or make a donation, all on the Focus on the Family app. Download it today from the App Store or Google Play. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Deborah, you touched on this a while ago, but I I do want to come back to it because it is such a tender spot and it's something that a lot of women and their husbands experience, and that's miscarriage. Take us through that, both as a wife, a mom, but then also as a counselor and what you yourself went through and how that can benefit others. Yeah. I went through a traumatic miscarriage that didn't actually impact me until a few years later. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we think that the impact is going to happen right away, and we're not prepared for when the trauma comes back a little bit later. We... Did, you, did you feel disconnected at that point? I mean, you're in it. You, you had this miscarriage, and you know the language. Right. You're a counselor. Were you questioning, how come I'm not feeling this more deeply? Or, or are you just trying to survive and get through it and hug John? And you I know? think that's what it is. I think as a mom, when you go through something traumatic like a miscarriage, and for me it was even an emergency surgery where I almost lost my life, you come home 
and life doesn't stop. You've got the kids. At the time, we had three kids. Right. You've got the ministry. You've got work. You've got your husband. You are in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you don't have the time or the energy to stop and really process that loss. Mm. Of course, you feel the loss on a superficial level. You cry. You talk about it. But I think we're surprised sometimes when trauma comes back later. Sometimes we feel like we're backtracking. You know, maybe I didn't really heal, but I want people to realize that God has made it that way. We heal in layers, mm -hmm. one layer at a time. And just because whatever trauma you've been through might be coming back in this season doesn't mean you, mean you haven't healed. But it might mean that God wants to heal the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. It's really insightful. And I think it actually indicates something for all of us as human beings created as we are, that we might expect that to happen not in layers, but in like one stage. Right. We go from wound to healed. And the fact, the way you describe that as being in layers, I don't know what... Um, if it's in we're just not patient enough we don't understand the mechanisms that god is giving us for healing but all of that's kind of wrapped up in there right i i could just feel a person shaking his fist at god because that healing has not occurred and they want to get there and they're just frustrated right we want to see immediate results you know right. that's the reality and nobody wants to linger in the process of healing but that's exactly when the process of healing is most effective. Think about losing weight. When you do that diet and lose 10 pounds in a week, that 10 pounds is going to come right back and then some. But when you take your time to heal, when you're deliberate and intentional about really getting into those wounds and dealing with them little by little, that's when healing is more long-lasting and permanent. That's when it yeah. becomes a part of your life. In that respect, how do we measure that so that we know we're not standing still? Mm -hmm. We may not be there yet, but we're making progress. How do we measure that? I think... Being deliberate about setting goals, um, we talked earlier how easy it is to go get a physical checkup, but how rare it is to stop and take an emotional, spiritual, mental inventory. So the question I would be asking is, what is God healing in your life today? That's where we need to stop and ask ourselves. That's a good If the question. answer is, I don't know, not much, you actually worry me the most mm. because you feel like there's no need for healing. You feel like you've arrived. There's nothing that you identify in your life, whether it be emotional, spiritual, mental, physical. For us to constantly be growing in the process of sanctification, we've got to be doing these check-ins on a regular basis. I would think that another way to make that statement is that in this life, we should all be striving for something better. Right. There's what, always there's yeah, always the next level place to grow. that God is longing yeah. to take us. In that regard, let me ask this. The um, And this is something personally for me that's been a bit of a struggle because I do generally tend to feel I'm in a good place and I, I want to represent that feeling. So I'll, I'll be honest about it for me. I think Gene might say, well, because of your trauma as a child, maybe you're just looking at the shiny side of everything and you're not dealing with you know, the pain of what happened. And I, I understand that. And I think I have, but speak to me and the people like me who have kind of said, okay, I think I've gotten through it. I think I've forgiven people that have wounded me. I think I've, you know, come to grips with what I had to go through as an orphan kid. But 
those that know us best might be saying emotionally, it may not be as connected. (laughs) You're protecting. And God gives us that mechanism. It's a protection mechanism. So you, you don't go as deep emotionally. You do become an inch deep and a mile wide because you don't want to be hurt. Speak to those people that may be not in tune with what their real soul hurt is. Yeah, that's a good one. And I appreciate you for being so vulnerable. You know, I'm the type of counselor that tends to be a little more candid. And so I'll tell people right off the bat, you're not as healthy as you think you are, you know, because the Lord is longing to take us to a better place. And I think when it comes to our past wounds, of course, we we eventually get to a place of peace. Um, you know, it's not like a, a journey for the rest of time dealing with those past wounds, but we can't be surprised when they come up at different times. It's kind of like grief. Um, when you look at your past childhood wounds, sort of like grief, something that was lost. Mm-hmm. Grief comes in waves. There may be seasons where it doesn't impact you, but then there's other seasons where it comes through. And that's what you have to be aware of. What seasons might my past experience be coming through? And how does that impact me in the present? How does it impact my relationships in the present? The people closest to you are probably going to give you the most insight because what's happening in the present, your problem spots in the present, your conflict patterns in the present tend to be a signal of the things that you might still need some healing from in the past. Keep reaching. Keep working. Keep working. Yeah, Keep I like listening that. to Gene. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of a family. I won't mention their name, but they had catastrophic uh, situation where their son and daughter-in-law got married. They took off from the reception in a helicopter, and it crashed into mm-hmm. a mountain. So they'd only been married four or five hours. And I remember standing with him you know, months after the event, and we were out by his barbecue. And he, I just said, how are you doing? And he said, well, what else can you do? You just get up and you keep moving forward, trusting that God is who he is and all these things are taken care of. I can't imagine the pain of that kind of loss. He said, it was the best day of my life and the worst day of mm. my life. And it gives me tears now talking about it. But as a counselor speaking to those kinds of situations, it's kind of the reality, isn't it? it you is. get up and you got to keep going, yeah. even with incredible devastation. And I think it's important for us in those situations to realize that dealing with these type of deep hurts doesn't have a timeline. You know, we say that time heals all wounds. Well, it doesn't. It really doesn't. In fact, some wounds, when left to themselves, will only get infected with time. Mm -hmm. They will get worse with time. And so for us being intentional to really face some of that pain and realize that there's no time limit, you know, even for me, I feel like I've dealt with my trauma, my miscarriage in a healthy way, but there's still times when those feelings are going to come up. That doesn't mean that I'm backtracking. But I have to acknowledge it to make space for that grief in my life instead of just ignoring it, pretending it's not there. Because that grief isn't a sign that I'm moving backwards or that I'm not healed. It's just a sign of the reality that in this world, we will go through hard things, you know, and and to be able to face those with confidence and um, acknowledge those hurts, make space for them is one of the ways that we heal. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I think God's formula for this life, uh, we are going to 
suffer. And we're going to need him. We're and gonna we're going to rely need, on him that's every the whole purpose. step of the way. Yeah. We're never going to walk without a limp. Um, one of my favorite sermons is uh, John Corson actually preached it. And he said, you know, in one scenario, Jacob, who wrestled with God and ended up with a limp, for the rest of his life, which reminded him of his need for Jesus every step of the way, his need for the Lord. In the other scenario, a man at the pool of Bethesda was healed. Yippee, I'm healed. And people said, who healed you? And he said, I don't know. (laughs) And sometimes when we're fully healed, we lose that connection with the Lord. We forget that I need him. Sometimes the limp that we carry in life, those hardships, those struggles, remind us of our deep need for the Lord. What a great place to end our conversation with Deborah Faleta. This has been a best of 2021 focused on the family, and she has done a terrific job relating God's desire for us to be whole and healthy. She really has, and I hope you'll intentionally pursue some of these aspects that Deborah's been talking about. You know, here at Focus on the Family, we know life can be a strain or a struggle. We are here for you. We have a team of caring Christian counselors who want to help. You can give us a call or go online to set up an initial consultation. We also have lots of other resources to help you. In fact, Deborah's book, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters is a great place to start. You can get that directly from Focus on the Family. And when you do, the proceeds go right back into ministry, giving other families hope every day. And we hear from so many who need answers to some of life's most difficult questions. Uh, We do count it a privilege to be able to help. And Jim, let me just quickly share a word that we received from Judy. She writes, I started listening to this radio broadcast in 1983 when I was a young mom, and I've been listening ever since. I wouldn't know how to raise my children without focus. And then she went on to say, I appreciate how focus speaks into and understands the cultural changes and issues that are going on. Well, you know, we've been through a tough couple of years culturally, and we want to continue to lead that charge for the family. But we need your help, especially here as we're heading toward Christmas and the end of the year. God can use your support to provide scripture-based resources and programs to save and strengthen families. When you give a gift of any amount today, we'll send you a copy of Deborah's book as our way of saying thank you. I'm eager to see how God will work through you and focus on the family in 2022. Donate today and get your copy of the book, Are You Really Okay? We've got all the details at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.